What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Project Podcast. This is your host, Nick Marcos, and this is my newest project where I'm sitting down with local business owners and community members who truly embody the hustle mentality. We're going to dive in deep and get their amazing stories of the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, or you're just someone who enjoys hearing the stories behind our community's movers and shakers, this is the podcast for you. So tune in and take pride knowing that we have these great people with incredible stories living right here in our neighborhood. Make sure you tune in weekly for our newest episodes. For more information, check out our website, hustleprojectpodcast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Project Podcast. Enjoy this week's episode, guys. The story goes that you moved up to the North Shore because you fell in love. Ah, uh, no. So <laughs> my wife actually from Worcester. Okay. Um, so we actually met through friends of friends and uh, started doing like kind of long distance thing. I was living in Connecticut. She was living up there. You know, yeah. It's not long distance. It's only an hour away. Right. Um, and we both were disappointed with our jobs. He was working as a paralegal and I was working as an accountant. And, yeah. Uh, we both yeah. weren't totally satisfied. Um, and she'd always had a passion for museums. And uh, so she got a job at the Peabody Essex, and we decided, you know, career change. Right. <laughs> she went to work in a museum, and I, like, I'm going to try it, try to find a brewing job, or, or at least in a brewery. So, tell, so, so tonight I have Adam from Bentwater Brewery here with me. Um, and Adam is the head brewer at, at Bentwater. Um, and so you would think someone who's, like, who's reached the status of head brewer is like someone who's lived a lifetime. <laughs> Of brewery, you know what I mean? Like typically, it's like you know you're in the major leagues. You're you're brewing. Yeah. You're the head brewer there. Um, tell me, tell me really quickly, like what's what's the story? How did that come to fruition? How did you get into? Um... So uh, I had a uh, my parents got me a homebrew kit when I turned 21. <laughs> um, Hell of a gift. Yeah, the, um, uh, my dad kind of dabbled homebrewing, uh, making wine at home. Um, so it's kind of always in the back of my mind. You know, ways cook together. So it's kind of you know similar, same idea. You know. Bringing ingredients together, making something. Yeah, it's cool. like it, it, technically you're a chef. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it takes a little longer to try what you're making, but right, right. Um, yes, yeah, so it's the same idea. You know, ingredients, bring them together, make something that you can enjoy. Um, and so I was doing that while I was working as an accountant, and uh, it was always in the back of my mind as something I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I'm not a super creative person. That's probably like the only really creative things I do are cooking and brewing. But that's where you found your creativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I can understand that. Most people have a creative... Something. Something. It's just a matter of finding out what right. it is. It's like I wasn't making movies. I wasn't painting. Yeah. It ended up being that. Um, and so I was doing that, you know, I'm 33, almost 33. Uh, so I've been making beer for you know, almost 12 years at this point. Right. And uh, I was doing that, you know, every couple of weekends... My friends look together, make some beer, drink some beer. And, uh, you know, with the dissatisfaction of working in an office place and, uh, you know, sitting in a cube every day, just, you know, punching the clock, right. quote, unquote. It's a very unrewarding job as an accountant. Hey, you know, it's good work, though. That's kind of how I ended up no, in it. No, it's good work, but there's not many people who grow up saying, I can't wait, like, I'd love to be an accountant someday. Well, yeah, it's just kind of how it ended up there. It was like, uh, you know, go to college, get a job. Yeah, well, and the, just, that's the typical path, right? right. That's, what, that's what the trajectory you know, is for most young kids. It, that's, you know, what my high school guidance counselor told me, is my parents told me. And it, they're not wrong. No. It, it, it's not a bad path. It's a, it's a good path for a lot of people, but there are a lot of people who can do um, other things and be, sure. yeah, be a, a little more. Because there's something to be said about just being passionate about something. Like when you have right, passion, right. Yeah. You, the product tends to be a lot better. 
um, than when you're just going through the motion. So when did you, so how did Bentwater come about? Um, so I started at Bentwater uh, about four months after they opened. Um, but Bentwater itself was conceived, you know, with the ownership uh, in like 2013. They right. started, you know, they were homebrewing. Right. <laughs> um, and so they, it's a group, right? There's a group of... Yeah, um, there's three owners, oh, well, three founders. Three founders, right. Um, and, you know, they were homebrewing. Uh, Aaron lives in Swampscott. Chris lives, Chris and Mike, both live in Marblehead. Um, and they were going to Aaron's house, brewing beer. And uh, Aaron, actually, the, what pushed him to actually start doing, you know, make the brewery happen was uh, he had gotten cancer. He had uh, no kidding. Uh, melanomas, so he was like, you know, it's do or die now, so we got to push through it and get there. Um, and, you know, we, well, they ended up opening the brewing in 2015, um, and I had been working up in Maine, you know, commuting from Salem to Maine yeah. <laughs> every day. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man, Salem to Lynn sounds a lot right, better. Right. right. Uh, so I, I applied for an assistant brewer position and uh, ended up getting it, which is awesome. Um, and I was doing that, and then about a year ago, I got promoted to head brewer. The old head brewer had left, and uh, it was a great opportunity. I mean, that was what I started out. With. That was your objective? Yeah, it was eventually. to be a head brewer. Yeah. Well, it wasn't necessarily a head brewer. It was to be uh, in a position to have creative control over what we were doing. Right. was my ultimate goal. Well, I mean, so isn't that ultimately that sort of – it doesn't get much better than that, right, in terms of being a creative brewer. It's sort of – yeah, I mean, unless you're like at a big brewing company and you know, like you're the head innovation brewer or something, right. <laughs> you know, like right, working right. at cores and like coming up with like no, I the next you. big cores. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot of different ways we could kind of go um, here, but I, you know what what sticks out to me the most because I'm a Lynn guy and I gotta pay homage to 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 my hood. Bentwater is a gr it's just such a great asset. I feel like to mm -hmm. the city. Like you look at Lynn and it's got you know it's got a lot of industry, old industry, some new stuff, but. It never really had a prominent brewery, mm -hmm. and it's so cool that someone sort of saw the value in having a facility in Lynn. Tell me what like what it's like being a part of the community in Lynn, because you guys are actually, you know, you're very creative. You, yeah. I'm not even sure if Lynn specifically is your demographic so much, but it's it's when you guys are flavor, you know, when you're when you're testing, you're not really, you know, you're. you're tell me a little bit actually about. Go ahead. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, one of our goals is to be in every liquor store in Lynn. That's kind of one of like the low level, like mm -hmm. it'd be really cool if every single place in Lynn had our beer. I think that was really, it's got, it's a cool idea. Yeah, it is a very cool idea. You know, we walk around the corner and you can find our beer. Um, so we actually do have a couple beers that kind of like are targeted more towards, you know, traditional right. American light lager drinkers. Um, but it, I think we ended up in Lynn predominantly because uh, there's a lot of support from the government, you know, the, the city government. Yeah. Um, uh, the mayor at the time was really supportive of what we were doing. And, uh, and from what I understand and from what I've been hearing around is that it's the water quality was really important to you guys. For sure, yeah. So Lynn is uh, unique in this area in the fact that they have their own reservoirs. Right. Um, everyone else around us tends to get their water from, uh, you know, Dequabin or Quabbin in Wachusett out in Central Mass. Um, but Lynn has their own reservoirs, their own water treatment center, and it's fed by the Ipswich Watershed. So it... The water itself is just a blank slate, basically. I mean, it's pretty neutral, so it's you can kind of do whatever you want with it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, do you feel like you're actually at a competitive advantage now because you have a dis more distinctive water? I mean, doesn't that give you sort of a, an opportunity to be different? Yeah, I mean, not just different. I think that it gives us an opportunity where we're not, like, we don't have to, like, deal with something weird about our water. Because, I mean, like, right. think about, have you been, you've been to Florida probably, right? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever tasted tap water in Florida? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so my baseline, because I grew up in Lynn, my baseline is Lynn water. Right. And everybody around here knows Lynn has the best water. I mean, at one point it was, like, 
best water in the country, you know, yeah. almost. Um, the water treatment facility they opened up, I think it's the early 90s or late 80s, they opened that when I was a young kid. It was a game changer. Yeah. But for someone to actually open up a business that is specifically here for the water, mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting to hear. It is, yeah. It's, I mean, it's really cool. I, I personally didn't know much about Lynn's Water before I started at the brewery, but, you know, having to deal with it on a database, database basis, it's, <laughs> it's, right. it's a godsend, really. You know, right. it's, we don't have to, like, worry about, you know, filtration system or anything we basically just you know we're taking the chlorine out of it that you're using to sanitize it and right. that's pretty much it so so there are a couple things that make uh bent water different from like from the brewing side uh, you know we can talk about the marketing and stuff i mean you're a brewer but to talk about the marketing and stuff would be sort of not fair to you um because i got you know oh, hats you great labels i mean <laughs> hats off the labeling is unbelievable and it's been like that's something that i've noticed from the, from yeah. the jump um but talk to me a little bit about having sort of your roots in land, having that water, your sort of your own distinctive water supply, how are you using that as an advantage? Like, how are you, like, using it in any way that would be different? I mean, you can only do so much different things. <laughs> You're actually, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, you take malt, you mix with water. Right. So, I mean, it, it's definitely, there's processing differences from, you know, brewery to brewery. But um, I think what really makes our beer special is, you know, it's the people behind it. There's a lot of passion on all levels. It's not just me and my passion for, you know, making beer. You know, the ownership is very passionate about what they're doing. Um, you know, our sales team is very passionate right. about the beer they're trying to sell. So I think uh, what really sets us apart is the passion behind what we're doing. So is ownership involved in, in that process? Like, is, or, so talk to me a little bit about, so you're developing um, beers, different beers. Yeah. And that's a fluid concept. That's something that's happening all the time. Mm -hmm. There What's definitely is a lot of creative freedom. Um, we obviously, we have a board of directors that kind of uh, sets a direction, I guess. And then, you know, it's up to me and my brew team to kind of figure out what meets the needs of that direction. Right. Um, so there is like a businessy kind of <laughs> side to it. Yeah. Um, we, do, we, I mean, we do small one-off batches all the time. So it's kind of like we have that creative freedom to kind of do whatever we want. But at like, the end of the day, we have to make a beer like suborbital for instance you know we right. released that about eight months ago and that was to uh, fill a specific niche that we felt we needed to fill yeah i'm a linlight guy i love my linlight and i'm upset because i i've been going <laughs> i've been going to some restaurants and they stopped carrying yeah, it for we, whatever reason we had to uh make some changes ch well we had to cut it uh, it was either Pearl or Linlight, and Linlight lost oh yeah, that battle. Um, but we do have plans to bring it back as a, a taproom-only yeah. beer. What is uh, what is the most popular? Uh, so right now it is Sluice Juice, Sluice our new Juice, yeah. IPA. Yeah, yeah, it's probably about 50 to 60% of our sales. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I also noticed the, um, the goat. Yep. And tell me sort of how that all works out, because it's, it's kind of cool. So... <clears throat> Historically, on a beer label, a goat on it denoted that it was a Bach beer. So that's how the idea started. Okay. Um, for the past two years I've been doing it, it was a, a Bach-inspired beer. Um, and then it kind of just played into, you know, Tom Brady, greatest of all time, right. Patriots kind of thing. Yeah. And then, uh, Wow, that worked to your advantage. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but then this year, actually, we, we went back to the table and kind of like, well, it's kind of like gotten away from being a Bach beer with a goat on the label. It's sort of, you know, it's a football beer now. Right. So we uh, uh, we lightened it up, lowered the alcohol a little bit, and kind of made it a beer that, you uh, know, like was familiar yeah. to football yeah. fans. Less crafty, a little more. Yeah, I mean, it is still crafty in the sense. You know, I mean, it's all German malt. It's all German hops. So it, it is very but tra does it, traditional. Right. 
does it excite you to make that kind of beer? Like, what what gets you going? Like, if you're you're in the lab, I'll call it the lab. Like, what <laughs> what excites you? Do you do you like executing consistency, or do you like executing on the creative side, where it's like you know you're not too worried if it's consistent in each batch? Like, what's your? Uh, well, so actually, it's funny you ask that. Cause we're talking about goat because. The style it is now, Hellas, is like my favorite style of beer. So oh. I was super excited to make yeah. that. And I was, I've been pushing for, you know, a pale lager for a while. And it, that's what I like to drink. You right. know, it, I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I love all styles of beer. But oh, you have to say that. Right? <laughs> well, no, I do. I mean, it, I'm never going to say no to a try of beer. But right. if I'm drinking a couple beers, that's, that's what I want to drink. Um, but I, I get a lot of different satisfactions in my job. And I think. I was actually thinking about it today in anticipation of this. Like, I'm assuming I assumed you were going to ask this question. <laughs> um, I, I do really enjoy consistency. Yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, it's a challenge. I mean, like, technical brewing isn't the same as you know what you're doing at home, and it, it's taken. I've been doing it for five years. Well, I always, I mean, I feel like this is the truth when it comes to small businesses. Like, being small and being really large are advantages. Being in the middle is very difficult. Yeah. So, it's hard to be consistent when you're in the middle because you don't have the, 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 the brewing equipment like Coors has. But you're not, and you're not a one-man show who right. like literally watches the things happen. What do you think is sort of the position of Bentwater? Are you guys closer to the, to the smaller side or the bigger side in terms I mean, of your ability? I mean, we're definitely size-wise definitely on the smaller end. I mean, right. um, we are actually the 10th largest brewery in Massachusetts. That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, that's exciting to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a Lynn guy. So for me, anything that comes out of Lynn that has that kind of an impact, I'm all for it. And Bentwater has like really taken right. the time to create a, a, a distinct footprint in the city and, 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 and like rally the community around something that we had never had in Lynn before, which is a brewery, like a legitimate brewery with, well, yeah, with a big footprint. For sure. And to have some people um, be able to see products that come out of Lynn that are crafted at a high level, mm -hmm. that's, that's also awesome, yeah, right? Because sure. we don't want to brand Lynn as having products that are inferior. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we're, that we're a very proud city, you know, and you're not from Lynn. I live in Lynn, though. You but live in, but you do I'm live in Lynn now. I do live in Lynn. Right. I'm so not from Where Lynn, are you from originally? I'm from Farmington, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Farmington, Connecticut. Okay, so um, what do you feel like is a big difference between Lynn and the culture in Lynn between, say, where you're from, and how has that affected your brewing style? Um... I mean, so where I'm from is not the most diverse place. Okay. I mean, I, I, Connecticut's you know has a reputation of being extremely like yeah plain and yeah vanilla yeah vanilla. Um, so that's kind of where I'm from, <laughs> you know. Uh, if I had to pick a city that kind of characterized where I'm from, it would probably be like Marbleheadish. Okay, yeah. Swamp Scott kind of well, area. I'm not saying I like, no I, no I, I not grow up in an I, as an affluent person. No, fair but, enough. Uh, I mean, we know we know what that means. To, you know, not everybody in Marblehead is. It's yeah. wealthy, right? Um, um, but that's that's kind of where I grew up, and it, you know, coming to a place that is a lot more diverse, and it, it is exciting because I mean, historically, you know, the people of Lynn would not be the target demographic craft beer, right? Um, and you know, it is exciting to see people from Lynn coming into our tap room to try our beer, and it's just like, it, it's not an exclusive thing. I mean, it's a little more expensive than you know cheap beer, but it's you know it's for everybody. So right. I think that's I think that's really cool. Yeah, and, and you guys are active in the community too. It's not like you're serving this beer exclusively to you know Boston. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're catering people from out of town. You guys are you're, you're committed, like you said. You guys actually have a have 
something in place with you guys actually have a goal of being in every liquor store in Lynn. Yeah. That's because it means something to you right. to serve the people that, that sure. you're And you know, and like we work a lot with Beyond Walls, with the, the doing the right. murals in downtown. We, you know, we do events with them. Um, you know, we work with One Mighty Mill on Exchange Street there. They opened right. up uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, so like we are, you know, trying to reach out and, you know, work with other people in Lynn too. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's important to us to be part of the Lynn community and, you know, continue to build up What's you know? Do you feel like Lynn has like dragged anything out of you, like any creative, out? You know what I mean? Like, has it influenced you enough to actually have an impact on what you brew? I mean, I don't know about what I brew, but I think it has a lot of impact. You know, a lot of my personal feelings about, you know, just life. Yeah, just life. It it definitely has changed my perspective on life. You feel like that's better or worse? Oh, definitely better. Definitely better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lynn has has that effect. That's what the thing is about Lynn is this this big melting pot. And for sure, and it's very, very fluid, and there's things moving all the time. And um, but, but Bentwater is something that I think Lynn now can can hold up as sort of like a a trophy. Well, not a trophy. I don't want to call it a trophy, but Bentwater is sort of like, like, to, like something to champion. Yeah, something to champion exactly because it's huge, and um, and to have people like like the ownership group um, invested in Lynn is important for the future of the city. Um, what do you think is the future of Bentwater? Do you think that Lynn? You guys stay in Lynn, or do you think you eventually outgrow it? I mean, I, personally, I would want to still always stay in Lynn. Um, we did just—we're on the tail end of like a pretty big expansion. Uh, we built a new building in our parking lot. Uh, we, you know, tripled, quadrupled our capacity in the space. So, like, we are staying there for the immediate future. You know, right? Um, I'd love to stay in Lynn. It just really depends if we can find the right space. Right. Either an existing building or the space to build a new building. If you know, depending on how big we end how up big getting. How big do you end up getting? Yeah. Um, so, we were talking before about um, you know what your favorite um, beer is, and if you're not drinking uh, Bent Water, what are you drinking? Um, or, or are you not I, allowed to talk about no, that? I can't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I definitely buy a lot of Jack's Abbey's beers. You know, they make a lot of lager. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they're definitely one of my favorites. Um, do you ever just crack open a Bud Light? Just to like, I'm not a Bud Light guy. I'm more of a Miller Light guy. Okay, I'm, me too. But what, would you? Would you <laughs> oh yeah. Would you, I mean, just crack open a Miller. Do you feel disappointed when you drink a Miller? Or no, are your I mean, expectations? Like, I mean, it's kind of like you can't be mad at a beer for being what it is. I mean, Miller oh, Light's dope. exactly like what that. it's supposed to be. I like that. Yes, like yeah. you can't be like, oh, this this Miller Light isn't an imperial yeah. stout. You can't be mad about that. It's exactly it's supposed to be a Miller Light, right. and it's exactly. And you what it have is. to you have to give them credit for how consistent that damn Miller Light. Like. Holy yeah. shit. When's the last time you had a Miller Lite that didn't taste like a Miller Lite? Exactly. They're just like dead on. I mean, how hard is it to be that consistent? Uh, they Most of their beers have PhDs. They're, <laughs> they're scientists. They're not right, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Which like, is a difference. Big difference. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a PhD. Yeah. And it's, but that's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better. I just think it's different. It, it breeds a different result. Like the, the, yeah. the fact that there is a little margin of error for you guys, I think, is where a lot of the cool stuff happens. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think a good example is. Um, with Sluice Juice. It's, you know, we did... Now, Sluice Juice is your most popular. Yeah, our New England IPA. Yeah. Uh, we did about eight to nine test recipes to begin with to get that beer, you know, started. And then, you know, it's been... We've had it out in the market for two years at this point. But then it was like maybe 18 months before it really started tasting oh, wow. really the way it was supposed to, I felt like. And, you know, it's continued to evolve a little bit here so and there. So you're, you're actually... My theory on business is that you create a product or um, a service and you put it out into the market, you, mm-hmm. listen for, you listen for feedback and then you make adjustments. That's business, right? Like, yeah. And uh, the better you are at that, the better you do mm-hmm. for the most part. 
are you in? Are you doing the same thing with beer? Are you guys putting out recipes? So, for example, the sluice juice w- w- formula, and then you're listening for feedback from distributors mm-hmm. and, and and consumers, and then you're adjusting. Yeah. So I mean, so it's not the. It, it can actually change a little bit. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, I took over Head Brewer about a year ago, and I have. I wouldn't say drastically changed. They're like little tweaks. So you've tweaked all the f- all the all of the recipes. All the recipes. Um, and th- that's a continual process. I mean, um, so would that be sort of the biggest difference between what you would expect from a craft brewery versus? I mean, I think that that's different from a maybe smaller breweries that kind of like are doing what they want to do. Like personally, you know, okay. I, if you know, you're two guys you have a small brew house you're you're doing like six seven hundred barrels a year you're just kind of like this is what i like I'm right, right, out right. There. yeah it's a it's um, just a project yeah yeah kind of thing um so i think we're somewhere in the middle where it's like we have the flexibility to kind of tweak recipes and you know get them to where i want them to be or where you know we're getting the feedback sets of where it needs to be um but we're not you know locked in we can't you know, middle light can never change. That's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and they're restrictive on that, but they're I'm sure that they're they've they've cornered the market on on a much bigger piece. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Much bigger. Yeah, I market. mean, it's like I think craft beer has like 17 percent of the yeah. beer market. <laughs> and so I'm like, when I'm growing up, right, like craft beer didn't even exist. No. Like uh, like Sam Adams was was the first time I heard of it, and mm-hmm. that and this is like 2003, 2004. I'm still drinking Coronas. Like yeah. I, I feel like Corona was the hot beer at the time. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm a little younger than that. I mean, right, I started drinking beer until 2006, 2007. But that's sort of when it all yeah. s- it started to, to come about. It, it's, it became really trendy. I think it's sort of settled down now. But what I really like to see now is that these brew houses are opening and they're like restaurants mm-hmm. slash brewing facilities. Um, I mean, I know it's two separate businesses and they have to like sort of m- merge them together. But Bentwater is not doing that. Bentwater... Yeah. You guys have a tap room, yep. which doesn't serve. It's not like a restaurant. We have snacks. Yeah, you have. And some you can snack. bring food. Right, but but you guys have sort of made it a point not to be a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You're more about about the beer. Does that is that something that makes you want to work there, or is it? Would would you enjoy working at at a say a brew house? If do I you mean, just want to brew, or do you want to be a part of a, <coughs> of of like a a company that's really committed to just being a brewery? I mean. That's an interesting question. I've never really thought about it. Well, so um, one of my really good friends actually left Castle Island Brewing to go work at a brew pub. Wow. Um, <clears throat> but he wasn't the head brewer there. He was just a you know, shift brewer. Um, and his reason for leaving to go do that was that you know, basically he could do whatever he wanted. Like it, was a, it was a new place. It was a blank slate. And he could go in and kind of... You know, it was a full creative yeah, freedom. Yeah, full creative freedom. Still has it. And he's been there for a year and a half at this point. And it's kind of, you know... He's like, I want to brew with Hefeweizen, and just brews with Hefeweizen. Right. You know, he can do whatever he wants, which is cool. And um, I definitely can appreciate that, and I think that'd be really awesome to do. Yeah. Um, but there, I think there is something really cool about, you know, walking to a liquor store and seeing my beer on the shelves. Right. <laughs> that, well, that's my point, is that it's like, it, you would think that they're the same, but they're not. One is committed to sort of being, to, to selling beer, and the other one is committed to selling a beer experience. Yeah. Right? Like... Your ex- experience for the consumer is is in their home, on the couch, watching watching right, football. On their boat, on yeah, the beach. On their boat. It's anywhere exactly. they want to be. Yeah. Right. A brew house is more like come in and drink our beer. I mean, not to say they don't sell their beer outside, but they they're yeah. they're creating a different sort of experience. As a brewer, it is different, I'm sure, to be a part of either one of those. Yeah. For you personally, it seems like Bentwater is just. Yeah, more I mean, I definitely think. Um, 
I mean, it kind of goes back to earlier when I was talking about consistency is kind of something I enjoy. You know, it's always, it's a challenge to, you right. know, you know, hit your targets every time and make sure it tastes the same every time. And it, I, I enjoy that part of the challenge of, you yeah. know, making that happen. How much beer are you drinking a day? Me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair, it's a fair question. I mean, during work, we're allowed 16 ounces. Oh, is that, <laughs> is that a rule? It's, yeah, it's in the employee handbook. Oh, I mean, okay. it's kind of a, I mean, it's a safety thing. Right, of course. Um, but, you know, you do need to taste and sample throughout the day. So it is kind of like, you, you have to taste. We get it, but, you know, yeah. be have safe about it. Have you ever had it. like a bat, like, have you ever made like a whole batch and had to like throw it out? Uh, like, not, uh, not because of the recipe, but yeah. But like a baker like makes like bread and it just doesn't yeah, taste right I mean, and throws it out. Since I've been at Bentwater, we've probably, I want to say, dumped maybe like 10 to 12 batches of beer. Wow. Over, I've been almost there for like three how many, and a half years. How many beers are in it when you say a batch? Uh, well, it depends. Um, we have various size tanks. Yeah. Uh, but probably a lot. Like 30 or 45 barrel batches. There's 31 gallons in a barrel. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy amount. You should figure out a way to donate it. You know, like when food goes bad, yeah. they donate it to like a pantry. There should be like a beer, beer pantry. Yeah, beer pantry. It, it doesn't back. taste great, yeah. but it still works. <laughs> but hey, I mean, there's people out there who need to drink a beer and they, they're not too concerned about the quality, right? Uh, maybe relabel it then. <laughs> Don't tell that's them where it came from. That's, that's possible as well. But um, I, I mean, that is some of it too. It's like you have to accept the fact that it's not always going to be perfect and yeah. be willing to dump beer. In. And, like, you know, I think I appreciate the fact that our ownership has always been supportive of the fact that we're like, this isn't yeah. good enough. We're going to destroy it. Right. We're like, okay. Yeah, because sometimes it's not about the money, it's, right. it's about the long game. You know, it's about exactly. maintaining a good, strong reputation of being consistent or putting out a superior product. Tell me a little bit about the owner gr ownership group. Uh, yeah, so uh, Chris grew up in Marblehead. Um, Mike actually is from, I think it's Wisconsin. Okay, <laughs> I think he, stater, I think. Yeah. And then uh, Aaron is from Ohio. Okay. Um, but they've all been here for over a decade. I mean, they've been here for a while. Yeah. And, um, uh, are, they, are they like day-to-day -day active? Uh, they're not there every day. Uh, Aaron is very involved. Um, but he ha they all have full-time jobs other than the brewery. Other than the brewery. Um, and Mike does all of our label work. And well, then, he uh, does an amazing job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, how much influence do you have on the labels? It depends. I mean, like, the Suborbital label, I kind of, like, went to Mike, like, this is the idea I have for the name, Suborbital. Right. Are you doing the name development? Sometimes. Well, I mean, it really depends on, like... I mean, it looks like there's a team behind it. <laughs> It really does because there's a lot because it's covered like, you know, like the labels are distinctive, um, you know, the little the little story on the side. Like it's just it's all well done. Yeah, I mean, um, me and Mike usually go back and forth about the copy on the label and kind of like I'll send him something. And he's like, well, "What do you think about this?" And I'm like, "That's okay." That's yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he uh, he has he's a, he works for a marketing firm, so he's like a flair for marketing, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, well, we tone well, it back tell. a little bit. Yeah, um, I have to say, I'm. I, I mean, I'm not a big, huge beer drinker. Like, I don't, like, consume a lot of beer. But when I do, mm -hmm. I'm very particular about the beer I drink. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that's consistency and, you know, what you're going to, you know, to expect and stuff like that. But when, when you go to a liquor store and you see it's more so, like, because other companies now are catching on to how having a, a bright, yeah. you know, funky label can, can Drop people in, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But years ago, a couple years ago, when you would go to the liquor store and see Ben Water, yeah. yeah, it was like... It was amazing because I was like, "Oh, there's the Lin beer, like mm -hmm. you just sticking out." Like, I mean, there was like, a, there, like if you look at it, the whole idea was kind of have the it look like it moves. Mm. I mean, if you, uh, Thunder Funk, I think is the best example drink, of that. If you drink enough, it definitely moves. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything moves at that yeah, point. Right? Um, 
But yeah, I mean, like when I go to a liquor store now, it's kind of like sensory overload almost. Like there's yeah, so now, many. Now it is. Now it's like a t- for me, it's easy because I already know what, what I'm going right. to get because I'm a pretty consistent person. But if you're exploring, you know, as as a Maybe you can tell me, actually. So as a brewer, you must be going out just trying other people's beers, sort of the same way a chef would go try out another restaurant just to see, you know, what's trending and what's, yeah, you know, what, for sure. what flavor. For sure. I mean, the, generally when I go to a liquor store, you know, I'll buy a six-pack of something I know I like, right. and then I'll walk around and be like, that looks interesting. Got to right. pick up a shelf. And um, Have you noticed, have you seen anything that you feel like is about to start trending in the brewing world? Like, wh- what's next? Like... I mean, because 20 years ago you were drinking Bud Light mm-hmm. and that was your option, you know, and now it's like, it's so hard to pinpoint what is. Yeah. I, I mean, the trends are always hard to predict. I mean, there was the whole brute IPA thing that, you know, was supposed to be the next big thing. Right. And then it kind of just like dropped off and fizzled away. Yeah. Um, but I think right now, I think there's kind of a resurgence of uh, lager. Like, I mean, I think people are really starting to appreciate, you know, traditional brewing, um, pre- appreciating you know, some more subtle flavors rather than you know, getting punched in the face with right. you know hops. Um, I mean, those beers are still s- extremely popular. I mean, IPAs, New England IPAs are, you know, the bulk of the market. Right. Um, but I think lagers are making a really strong comeback because people, you know, like maybe they don't want to, you know, drink a super bitter beer or a super like fruity juicy beer. Right. And it's for me, it's like a big. It's just like. It's a big commitment when you start drinking those kinds of beers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is so flavorful. It's so rich. It's like drinking a meal sometimes. Yeah, for sure. It I mean, is. I mean, when you drink a, 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 a pale ale or something like that, it's a, it's a lot lighter. It's a lot mm-hmm. easier to drink. I don't see, like, I, can, I couldn't drink that much of, say, of a Thunderfunk. Yeah. I couldn't. Um, but a Lin Light, you know, I can drink those all <laughs> yeah. day, and they're, and they're delicious. And I think that's pro- probably why. I, yeah. I mean, the Lin Light's definitely like kind of in the same vein as a lager. It's still an ale, but it's that same idea where right. it's a lighter, easier to drink beer. Um, and that's what I like to drink, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'm still upset that they, that they cut the Lin Light. It'll come back. Don't worry. I'm prom- <laughs> I'll send you an email when I. <laughs> and that now <laughs> explains why. Because I, usually when I go out with my, my guy friends, we all go out in Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll go around downtown Salem, we'll have some dinner or whatever, and there were a few spots that we used to go to, I won't say their name, but they used to carry Lin Light. And yeah. so, you know, we'd all, we're all Lin kids, so we're like, yeah, for sure, we're going to support the right. Bentwater Brewery, no no doubt. So we ordered Lin Light, and recently we went, and they're like, no, we don't carry Lin Light anymore. And I was like, thinking to myself, why? Yeah, why would you was, do uh, that? <laughs> now I know why. It was so. a tough decision. <laughs> it was basically, it, it was just, you know, we couldn't make them all, so we had to like. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I you cut mine. That's fine. <laughs> You're not the only one. There's a couple people in the top. What do you see? What do you see um, in your particular future in terms of um, where you want to go as a brewer? So I mean, I, I'm definitely with Bentwater for uh, the long term at this point. I yeah. mean, um, like I said earlier, like you know, my goal was to have creative control at a brewery, and you know. I achieved that a lot faster than I anticipated. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, that says that's because you're a hustler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I definitely worked hard to get here, and it's kind of, it, I'm surprised that it happened so quickly. So I'm, a, I'm still, like, trying to recover from, right. like, well, well, what's, what's the next step? It's the Tom Brady effect. Like, you, you, it's all about seizing the opportunity. Right. Right? Like, if he didn't get his opportunity to shine back in the day, he would have never been who right. he is, and it's the same thing. You know, you're in the right place at the right time with the right mm-hmm. attitude. Yeah, that definitely. People was make that right. argument all the time. Just be at the right place, the right attitude, and, and surrounded by the right people. Yeah, and it and it just happened, and it's and it's big on you too because you got to give yourself credit. And I'm not sure if you do a good job of that um, because that's something a lot of people who 
you know, struggle with. Is, yeah, I, d- I definitely. Because you seize the opportunity. I mean, that's a big deal. It's hard to walk into a company like Bentwater as a young guy and 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 just just be, be sort of a worker bee, and then all of a sudden get called up. Yeah, to, that. you know, I mean, it's game time. I definitely don't give myself a lot of credit no. for it, but uh, well, what do you do to celebrate your like when things go good for you? Uh, usually get tattooed. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, that explains it. But wait a second. You got one arm full and one arm empty. This is a lot I've more celebrated. I haven't been getting tattooed that long. Uh, so, I mean, I got yeah, some yeah, under here. Up. But, uh, no, I got, I, got, I got that one when I got promoted. Oh, that's a hops right yeah, on your arm. Yeah, yeah, hops, that's, yeah. yeah that's cool. I was kind of like, well, let's go do it. Right. Um, but is that what you do to t- sort of like to celebrate? Cause yeah, I mean, you know, go go to dinner with my wife. Yeah. Um, I'd love to eat. Hop, you know, go to a nice dinner. Maybe down in downtown Salem. There's a lot of nice restaurants there. So, right. or yeah. actually in downtown Lynn, there's a couple of nice ones. Yeah, there too. is some great restaurants in Lynn too, as well. But th- you know what? Salem's a little more walkable. Like yeah. it's it's all one little district, and you can walk around the whole thing, and and um, it's just a little easier of a walking town. But um, so many people hesitate, you know, to celebrate their successes. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it, it's a tough place because y- you feel like if you celebrate your success, you're almost bragging. You know, you. Yeah, there's definitely some of that, and then. Um, I definitely am. I definitely feel like I'm a very humble person, and I don't try to like throw it in people's faces. And uh, but there definitely is a part of it where you know you need to be yeah, excited you, for your accomplishments, and you know, and, and be able to stand there and say, "Hey, I did it." Yeah. And you know. Well, for you growing up, did you ever have any like? Did you feel like you had like a chip on your shoulder, or did you come up sort of everything was kind of like copacetic, was just kind of cool and chill, like? I'm definitely a laid-back kind you're of guy. Really, I mean, um, I can tell you're a laid-back guy. <laughs> I'm just like a chill guy. Yeah, I'm just, like, yeah. This is in this conversation, and if, you, if anyone listening ever gets a chance to meet Adam, you, you pick up on it real quick. He's really laid-back. Um, but in your life growing up, do you really feel like you encountered a lot of adversity? Like, what's, what's driving you? What's driving you to sort of push the envelope for Bentwater and yourself for personal growth and in your career? I mean, it, for me, it's a chip on my shoulder, for example. I don't necessarily feel like a chip on my shoulder, but, uh, you know... Uh, I guess, well, so, a little backstory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my mom's family are, uh, were refugees coming to America. From? Uh, so, Indonesia, after World War II, uh, Japanese you know, okay. yeah. took over yep. the country, and uh, after the war, uh, they kicked out my parents. My family's half Dutch, half Indonesian, so yep. they kicked them out. It's a, was it a Dutch-controlled island at the time? Yeah. yeah. So, they you know, had declared independence, kicked all the Dutch out. Um, my family's half Dutch, half Indonesian. They got kicked out. They are bounced around Europe for a while. Um, and my grandmother, and she had five kids at the time, um, my mom was six, she was the only one born in America, uh, came over here in the 1950s. And so I definitely feel like some of that <clears throat> is, you know, trying to make my family, you know, proud of being able to come to America. Come to America. Yeah. Man, that's simple. Hey, look, my parents are from Greece. Mm-hmm. They migrated here in the 70s. I'm born here. My parents are born in Greece. Same sort of backstory. They came here. It was land of opportunity. Yeah. Like, when you don't have perspective, you're born here or third, fourth generation American, like, you freak, they freak, people forget. Yeah. But... There's something about being, about feeling you owe. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like it's it's a weird feeling, and it's hard to describe to someone who's never experienced it. But it's a really cool thing. Um, definitely is, and I, it, you know, it always hasn't been the major driver in my life, but it's definitely something that I've kind of like, as I've gotten older, look back and I mean, like, you know, my parents did very well for themselves, right? And uh, you know, were able to you know achieve the American dream, ethic. and. Uh, you know, for you know, when I was younger, I ne- didn't necessarily have the best work ethic. Right. Um, but it's something definitely. So what? Sw- you know, what went? What switch went off? What made you sort of? I, I you know, I don't know if it was just a switch. It was just kind of like I was probably like 
24, 25, and I was just like... Living in my parents' basement? No, I had my own <laughs> condo. <laughs> I had roommates, though. And I was just kind of, you know, doing my job, like, hugging along. And I was like, well, am I really proud of what I'm doing kind of thing, I guess? It was kind of that moment of, like, what can I actually do? Yeah, but and, most people would respond to that with some sort of bullshit excuses yeah. that just justify where they yeah, are in life. Right, right. What made you not justify it with some bullshit? Like, what made you say, you know what, now I'm going to do something about this, and I'm going to... I guess how disappointed I was with uh, what being an adult was. <laughs> like, you know, working in an office every day. Do you feel like just seeing, just measuring yourself against your parents' success probably opened your eyes to like... Well, I mean, my dad, you know, my, both of my parents were both, you know, working in offices. My mom was, my mom, my mom was a nurse, but, you know, they worked at the same companies, you know, like 25, 30 years. And then, yeah, but they probably, you know, they can't, they, they started from a huge disadvantage. They didn't grow up in a, in a, beautiful marblehead like town no, i'll tell you that not. right like, yeah so they definitely they worked really hard to get me to you know give me any of advantage that they didn't have right um for exactly. sure and you know they made sure that you know college was you know what i was supposed to do kind of thing and you know they both went to college but they're the only ones in the family too right um so it, i don't know i just kind of was i got to the point where i was like well what am i doing if i'm not trying to do something right <laughs> i guess i i'll be a brewer right well it's like <laughs> I well, so at that time you were an, you were an accountant, yeah, right. And and I, did you feel like when you found your passion in brewing that it ignited um, you on, on other levels too? Like it motivated you to do other things? Yeah, I mean, like for example, like my wife and I bought a house two years ago, and I work on my house, you right. know. But and you I, enjoy that, working on your yeah, house. exactly. Yeah. You know, I you know we renovate a room one at a time and kind of thing. You know, it's like. You know, looking back, if I was 22 years old, seeing <laughs> seeing me do that, I'm like, who are you? Kind yeah, of thing. Right, you know, right. like, you know, I never really relished that kind of thing. You know, uh, the process. You know, seeing something, you know, seen to completion. Right. Um, so I, I guess it was just kind of growing up a little so bit. So if you could offer some advice to someone who wants to be a brewer or wants to just sort of follow their passion, because ultimately that's that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're following your passion. And they had a similar upbringing. What do you think that you would say to like? Or for example. Here's an easy one. Like, if you could talk to yourself at 24, like, what, what would you say to yourself to get yourself motivated? Um, get off your ass? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I get, well, so I guess if you want to be a brewer, be willing to do the shit work. Right. I mean, I... But that's with anything. I mean, you got to eat shit, and you got to get really good at eating shit. Right. Because, I mean... Wait, wait for your opportunity. My first job was cleaning kegs and packaging beer. So, I mean, it's right. like I didn't come into this making beer. You know, I was, you know, scrubbing floors, cleaning kegs cleaning tanks right i still clean tanks but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a little different a little different yeah yeah. but uh i mean you just got to be willing to like do the base level and then you know i moved around a lot i mean i've worked at four different breweries so it it took me a while to get to where i am and so you know be willing to make a change you know if you're not the opportunity is not happening where you're working in the time you frame you want it to be try to find a place you can make it happen right um i mean kind of double-edged sword i mean you can shoot yourself in the foot that way but it, it worked out for me you know i was at most of the breweries i was at for six to eight months before i moved on right but if you believe in yourself and right. you believe that if you keep working hard opportunities will present themselves eventually they will and you'll do something about it right. i mean and then when they're there you have to you know capitalize on it make right. make sure that you know that opportunity may only come once and you got to move hard on it and you know make sure that you know you're going to be there to take it right agreed all right, Adam, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and, sure. and sharing the, um, the the brew hustle uh, <laughs> yeah, for with sure. us. But, you know, it, this was about um, a little bit about Bentwater, but um, it was really cool getting to know what sort of drives you, and I hope, uh, I hope everybody listened and enjoyed it. 
Mm. Awesome. Great, great talking with you.